Yeah, USA! It's 4th of July, baby! We're having fun here on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Great song. Yeah, it is. A, it really is a great song. Like, no no shame in admitting that. Uh, welcome back. We're recording I on Wednesday. I just love that you were looking for, like, victory march songs and... <laughs> You wound up there. I was looking for like a good USA song, and I couldn't really find anything. I found this, Hail to the Chief, but I'm not the president, so I really shouldn't be doing anything to this music. So I went with Miley Cyrus instead. Uh, Anyway, NFC West, AFC West today. I'm out of sorts because of Miley Cyrus. Here's what I was going to talk about before this show got derailed in the first 10 seconds. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Scored the most fantasy points since Peyton Manning in 2013. That's what he did last year. Melvin Gordon averaged 5.1 yards per carry after three seasons below four yards per carry. What? Todd Gurley had more than 16 carries only once in his final nine games, including the playoffs. That's that's bad. Once in his final nine games for Gurley, more than 16 carries. All right, so AFC West, NFC West, our fourth and final episode of this four-part series. I am Adam Azer. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Here's the new guy, Ben Gretsch. He's at yards per Gretsch. How'd you? That, that was that's a great Twitter handle. Like, how'd you get that? Uh, just kind of came to me. I mean, it, brilliant, I, brilliant. I knew Gretsch rhymed with catch, obviously. So it's Gretsch does to, not rhyme with catch. It sounds 100% like Gretsch rhymes with catch. What? What kind of a take is this, Adam? Are you serious, uh, Gretsch? If you, if you catch? had gone to the thread. Adam, one of Adam's worst takes was that frog does not rhyme with dog. Wait a second. We'll get back to that in a moment. Gretch and catch have a different letter in the middle. It's an Things e. that have different letters can rhyme Not with in this situation. Gretch and catch don't rhyme. <laughs> Gretch and catch 100% rhyme. You're saying the word catch wrong. You say catch. Like the, like the thing you put on burgers. Like, Do no. you go outside and have a Gretch? Exactly. They don't. I say catch. Apparently you say catch. Catch, of course, it's an A. Yes, frog and dog. You rhyme it with batch. Don't rhyme. Yes, I do rhyme. Catch and batch rhyme? That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Okay, I want to have a philosophical discussion here. Um, You're ranking some three, like, legendary quarterbacks. Your projections for them are all lower than what they usually come out at, uh, where they finish the year at. All right, we talked about Drew Brees. On our Wednesday show, Russell Wilson and Philip Rivers. So, Wilson, I don't remember everything off the top of my head, but Breeze was 15. Uh, Rivers was like 18, QB 18. Or maybe I'm confusing. Do, do you have, I'm sorry. Yeah, Rivers is QB 18 for both of us. Right. And then where's where's Russell Wilson? I have him at QB 10. Oh, right. Part of a kind of a big tier. Uh, Heath has him at QB 19. That's okay. So, so Ben is the only one who has either Rivers. Breeze or Russell Wilson in or, the top. Or Brady. Yeah, I mean, sure, sure. We throw Brady in there, uh, in the top fifteen. Or Eli. Or right, Hall of Famers. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Like, I just can't imagine Philip Rivers, who's been a top twelve quarterback five years in a row, being the eighteenth best quarterback in fantasy. Well, part of it with him is. Projections Six are kind of kind of yeah. guys who don't run. I mean, he's he's not get, like we, me and Heath both have him projected for less than twenty rushing yards, fewer than than twenty rushing yards, and that's, I mean, that's typical of what he's done the last few years. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember looking at it, being like, wow, he like it's not just that he doesn't provide value running; he doesn't run at all. All he does is kneel down and maybe scramble for a couple yards all season long. So. That's not going to help his projection. Yeah, last year he ran for seven yards. The year before he had negative two rushing yards. Well, so he's a, he's on the way up. He, I mean, that's that's nine more yards than the year before. That's big. <laughs> uh, no, I get that. I get, and you know what? The other thing is like QB eighteen isn't so bad these days. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But I just wonder, like, do you also rank it that way? Do you rank Russell Wilson Heath as QB nineteen or whatever it is? Yeah, um, I don't like it. And I didn't like it last year. And there were a couple of weeks that I was really, really right. And a couple of weeks where I looked like an idiot. But like their current offensive philosophy, and we're going to get into that a lot more when we talk about the Seahawks specifically. Like it does not matter if they had the best quarterback ever. 
I don't think a quarterback's going to be good with their offensive philosophy. Do you think? Fantasy. Do you think their their offensive philosophy was pretty extreme last year? You anticipated staying the same. I guess we'll get into that, right? But they're going to not be one of the staying last quite the same. But I'm just not um, not changing it as much as Ben is. And, and Ben, when you look at Breeze, Wilson, Rivers, right? Do you do you look at your projections and go, oh, uh, well, I got to change something because these guys are too low. Well, I guess not not Wilson for you because you have him ten. But Breeze, and yeah, Rivers. I mean, they're kind of different situations. I mean. As far as Rivers, I, I, I'm fine with him if I am late in the draft and, and need a stable quarterback. But there's so many quarterbacks that are mobile now that can add so much value rushing that the upside is just higher for those guys if they can have a, a spike passing touchdown season. I think Rivers has – I mean, and we'll get into this with the Chargers – has uh, the, but the potential to be a top-five passing TD guy this year, which would be great. But if he's not adding any value at all rushing, it still makes it difficult for him to – to ascend to top five fantasy status. So he doesn't really have that kind of upside, whereas other guys who at least have a little bit of a floor with their rushing uh, just have more upside. And they have more more of a floor, too, if they have a bad year. I don't think Rivers is going to have a bad year, but um, that's, yeah. I mean, I look at it and I say, yeah, he's a little bit lower than I want him to, but also as a fantasy option right now, I mean, him and Breeze, I don't think Breeze necessarily has as much upside in his offense now. Wilson, I think, does. If they do throw a little bit more this year, and if he runs more, he he ran less last year than he had for several years. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird to see their names lower, but it's also you know a game within a game. It's not how good we think they are as quarterbacks; it's how good we are we think they are in fantasy. Well, why don't we just start with the Chargers? Even though I have this uh, obsession with alphabetical order, the Chargers are third in alphabetical order. But we'll start with them. Rivers was uh, the number 10 quarterback in fantasy last year. He ended up with the 14th most attempts. Another thing with Rivers is that he he has the longest active streak of games played, so that always helps him finish in the top 12. Uh, I think we've talked... Do, have we talked enough about him? Um, or is there anything else you want to add? Like maybe Heath? You guys both have him 18th? Uh, my number for the Chargers was 508. That was the number of pass attempts for Rivers last year, his lowest total since 2009. And that's true that he always plays 16 games, but it's also true that on a per-game basis last year, he was, I believe, closer to, what, 18th? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, he would have been behind Cam. I had him 13th on a per-game basis. Behind Trubisky, behind Mayfield. Yeah, I, I had him 13th. I would have, but... So not behind Jameis? Well, let, let me see. Let me look at this website, fftoday.com, because it might depend. Uh, Rivers was 19th. So, you know, it's probably so close that, right. you know, because he averaged on this website 21.8 points per game. Um, Aaron Rodgers was 12th at 22.6 per game. So, you know, it's, it's, very, it's, a, big, it's a bunched up group. So, right. yeah, I mean, and since we know it's so close, it uh, gets back to my point about the upside and, and the lack of rushing value. That's why Rivers, for me, in drafts becomes less of a target. I, I really like his passing potential. But if we think he's just going to be not really a difference maker in a big, big group like that, I want some, I want to draft somebody who could finish in that group and also has potential to have a top five season if they really smash. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. So why don't we stick with the passing game? And what does Hunter Henry's return do to this team? You guys have him projected for about 750 yards and six or seven touchdowns on around 60 catches. Tight end five for Heath, tight end six for Ben, although Ben does have Henry scoring a few more PPR fantasy points than Heath does, but similar projections. So, you know, discuss Henry, Heath, and, and also his impact on Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, etc. I don't think he impacts the wide receivers very much. Because that wasn't what changed about their offense last year. But for the five years before last year, this had been a team that threw the ball to tight ends as often as any in football. And they lost him before the season. And Antonio Gates is obviously not the same player. And Virgil Green is a, a nothing burger. And so you look at it in 2018, 14.5% of their targets went to tight ends. That was the third lowest total in the league. That where where did those targets go? To the running backs. 28% of their targets went to running backs last year. So it, I would expect 
more targets go to tight ends this year than did last year because they actually have someone with talent playing that position, which could cut into Melvin Gordon or Austin Eckler, but also comes a little bit possibly from the targets left by Tyrell Williams. 65 targets for Tyrell Williams. And you guys have Hunter Henry for like around 80 targets. So 83 for Heath, 88 actually for Ben. Uh, Ben, why don't you talk about the wide receivers and what you expect from Keenan Allen and and Mike Williams. Uh, Williams caught more touchdowns than Keenan Allen last year. He he caught 10. And uh, obviously we're going to project Keenan Allen to be higher. But Keenan Allen is not a top eight wide receiver in drafts. And you both have him projected for more than 100 catches, more than 1,200 yards, six or seven touchdowns, and as a top eight wide receiver in PPR. Yeah, he's a guy that, if you look back at his career, has always commanded big targets. You can go all the way back to college. At Cal, he came in, he was two years younger, played with Marvin Jones uh, for, for the Lions, that same Marvin Jones. He was two years younger than him, and as a freshman right away, was just about as productive as him. And then as a sophomore in Marvin Jones' senior season, he blew him away. Um, even though he was you know, a 19-year-old and Marvin Jones was a senior, a 21-year-old senior. So and he did that. He came into the NFL and started commanding targets. He cut into Antonio Gates' target share right away. I mean, he's always been somebody that because of how good of a route runner he is, and especially because he's played with Phillip Rivers now for so many years, and Rivers knows his, you know, his little idiosyncrasies with the way that he runs his routes, he's going to be open and he's going to get targets. So even though they have so many other options here, I think you have to project Keenan Allen for a big target share. You have to expect that he's going to catch a lot of balls. I don't think he's going to have some kind of uh, receiving touchdown spike, which is something he's that's the the weaker part of his profile. He doesn't catch a lot of TDs and it gets to the Mike, the Mike Williams question. Mike Williams now um, huge, huge touchdown, 11% touchdown rate for his career now, which is massive. It was 15% last year. If you look at Hunter Henry before 2018, obviously he didn't play last year. Um, 10.5% career rate so far. Also massive. When you get into double digit career uh, touchdown rates in, in terms of per target, how many touchdowns they score per target. Those are huge. And then my stat is seven. It's the number of running back receiving touchdowns both of the last two years that the Chargers running backs, they combined for in the passing game. Uh, Gordon and Eckler, the la- both the last two years have combined for seven TDs, which is a not insignificant amount. And that's a trend that goes back to like Danny Woodhead, both of his 16-game seasons with the Chargers. He had six receiving touchdowns. Rivers will throw to the, to the backs as Heath mentioned, and you'll do so in the red zone. And so as far as Mike Williams is concerned, the return of Hunter Henry concerns me a little bit in in his ability to maintain that massive touchdown rate. It's going to come down. How far it comes down will be tough to see. And that also, I think, isn't great news for Keenan Allen having some kind of like breakout top five season. He's more just a stable option. He projects really well because he's a stable target option, but I don't think he has like a massive, like a double-digit touchdown ceiling and you kind of want that, you know, like you said, we, we're projecting him higher than his ADP for other receivers around him. There's more potential for a double digit TD season that we wouldn't necessarily project. But those things do happen. It, it's just not there probably for Allen. OK, you guys have Mike Williams for eight, more than 800 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, wide receiver 40 for Heath in PPR, wide receiver 31 for Ben in PPR and Travis Benjamin more or less fantasy irrelevant. And then uh, if the last thing we should talk about, I guess, is, you know, does does Austin Eckler matter, Heath? You have him as RB32, a much more generous projection than Ben's RB45. Uh, in fact, uh, what we're talking about, 47 more fantasy points in PPR for Eckler than what Ben projects. For me, he's a lot like what I said about Deion Lewis on the AFC South. I don't think... I don't have him ranked as high as I have him projected, but they did do some things last year, even when Gordon was healthy and Eckler were healthy, was healthy to limit Gordon's load in the running game. He only had 175 carries in 12 games. So I, I think he's going to have a role and he matters, but I would like him more when I don't have to decide when to start him or in really deeper leagues where he's like a second flex. Okay, And I would just add, Justin Jackson playing so well late in the year has me a little concerned that, I mean, they did that last year, as he noted, that they might even in- incorporate Jackson a little bit this year, too, to because Gordon still got hurt, even as they were trying to manage his workload and miss some time late in the year. This is going to be a playoff team. They have high aspirations. They were 12-4 and four last year. 
Um, you know, I would think that they want Gordon healthy through potentially January. So I, I think we might see that this is the deepest their their backfield has been in Gordon's career now. And I would think that we might I'm kind of shying away from Gordon because of that. Because I was going to say two good backs. Yeah, why, why, why should I take Melvin Gordon fifth or sixth overall? Yeah, I, I haven't projected at running back seven now. I just actually bumped that down a little bit, and I, I don't think like he's been really good the last couple of years. He was always a little bit underrated. Now I think he's at we're at a point where he's getting the due, and you know we might actually be he may have jumped the shark a little bit because we may be at a point where they need to spell him a little bit. He's been banged up for the last few years. He's like ten, three of his four seasons, he's been banged up. Heath, 10-second final thought? I don't really have one. I, I think the reason you take him as the fifth running back is because all of the options as the fifth running back have warts. Okay. Then let's go to our next team. Just jump back into alphabetical order. The Denver Broncos. By the way, kind of strange. In the AFC West, all four teams last year were ranked 19th to 23rd in rush attempts, including the Denver Broncos, who were 21st in rush attempts. They went 6-10. and 10. How do you project a team with a new head coach who's a defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, and a new offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello, who is in his first season as an offensive coordinator, the former quarterback's coach for San Francisco? Heath, how did you go about projecting the Broncos? Well, I think you can look a little bit at uh, Gary Kubiak-style offense because that's where Scandrello has uh, – they both come from the Shanahan tree, if I remember correctly. Does that sound right, Ben? I honestly – I don't even know how to say his name. Scangarello is uh, what I saw phonetically in the article I read about him today. Yes. Um, I think there's a little bit of on not the pace. We pretty much have the same right around a thousand plays, which is just about average. We do seem to have some disagreement in how pass heavy they will be. I've got them much more run heavy and towards the uh, upper end of the league in terms of rush attempts, just because I do expect the defense to be decent and I expect with an old defensive coordinator head coach that he would really like it if they run the ball and take care of the football. But that's really a lot of guessing from me as well. Well, and I don't I don't hate your numbers here. I mean, I think that's what they want to do based just on – it's Scangarello you said, yeah. Adam? Scangarello, yeah. Scangarello sure. made a comment that Joe Flacco was the perfect quarterback for his system, which – Which I, means you don't want to pass very that's much. A, that's a red <laughs> flag, right? Like he is not the perfect quarterback for any system. I'm sorry. He's immobile. He has a big arm, but that's he's a perfect quarterback for a system in 1985. He should not be the perfect quarterback for your system in, in 2019. He's not. I mean, that, that comment means nothing to me. That's That's – that's complimenting the guy who's on your team because you have to because he's on your team. Sure, but it sounds like the, the system that you would run with a, an immobile quarterback would be a pretty run-heavy and maybe play action with a big arm and, and get him into some deep drops and let him throw. So you would expect more of a run, uh, a run-based uh, offense, and I kind of do, but I also don't expect the Broncos to be very good. Now, if their defense is good, like he said, I think their their breakdown could be pretty similar to what he said. We both have them slow pace for that reason that they would probably lean more run at least in the first half. Again, this is a, a team where I wind up pass heavier, not because of what I think they want to do, but because I think they're going to trail in games and and have to throw to get back into games. So, well, we got to focus on the running backs here. So, Heath, why don't we go to your stat? Philip yeah, Lindsay. my stat is about the number of times that Philip Lindsay had more than fourteen carries in a game, and it was just four. I do expect we should. This will continue to be. A committee approach in Denver. I hope you're wrong. I mean, like, yes, yes, committee. But I see your projections. You both have, I think, fairly similar numbers in terms of carries for Freeman and for Lindsey. And I really want them to get away from that. Like, I don't want Royce Freeman to have more than 100 carries this year. And you guys both well, have, have. Then you, know. you don't like Ben and I's projections, right? It's, no, I don't. It's gonna happen. It's not like I don't like them. That I think they're bad. Is that I don't like them because I I think it's it seriously limits Philip Lindsay. I mean, he's gonna have to be. He was so good last year. And he's you want another have to be depressing again. reality about that? Devontae Booker had 51 targets last year and caught 38 passes. I mean, we just did this with with the Chargers, but usually you don't talk about the third running back a lot, and we're not talking about Devontae Booker being usable in fantasy. But if Royce Freeman's going to run enough to to limit Philip Lindsay's carries, and he just mentioned Philip Lindsay was never really a, a workhorse uh, in terms of carries, and Devontae Booker got 51 targets last year and is still there, and we have me and Heath both have him projected in the 40s this year, that limits Philip Lindsay's ability to have big reception totals as well. So 
It makes it pretty tough. Yeah, but but for Lindsey, like down the stretch after their bye, weeks 11 through 16, he did not play week 17. Uh, I'll try to do some quick math here, but there was only one game in which Royce Freeman had more than seven carries. 12 plus 6 plus 4 plus 7 divided by 6. That's 7 per game times 16. That's 112 carries. So Royce Freeman was on pace for 112 carries in in Philip Lindsay's last six games. I do think that they started to get away from Royce Freeman and make him pretty useless for fantasy owners. And they gave the ball to they, they gave the running game to Philip Lindsay. So I, I mean that right, encourages but they me. They are not there anymore. There's yeah, a but new it, it, obviously Philip Lindsay is better than Royce Freeman. And Philip Lindsay's not practicing yet. And if he, you that's said true. that like 12 months ago that obviously Philip Lindsay is better than Norris Freeman. You'd have been thrown in an insane asylum. I mean, Freeman had better. a way better profile. But we saw it. He's better. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman is a slug. Philip Lindsay is a steal. He's going to be one of the better <laughs> undrafted free agents in a long time. Well, that's probably already true. Yeah, it probably is. But don't you feel <laughs> that way? Already hit that. Throw the scouting, <laughs> throw what we thought was true. I, you, but that's, that let's goes back to the Corey Davis thing from uh, a couple days ago. Or an hour <laughs> it was yesterday. Um, like you just seem to not care about pedigree once we're a, a season in. No, that's not true. I just, I don't think Royce Freeman had some amazing pedigree. First of all, I mean, we anointed much him for better pedigree than Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the deal he was. He was extremely productive at Oregon. He was really, really good. I mean, maybe it was a system thing. Oregon was a very good offense, but he had a lot. <laughs> he put up a lot of numbers. I did. I, I feel like Philip Lindsay. Well, I'll, I'll try to. Um, did he have off-field issues? Is that why he didn't get drafted? I don't know. So um, Royce Freeman, five thousand six hundred rushing yards in his career. So almost average, almost fifteen hundred per year over four seasons. Eight hundred receiving yards on top of that. Sixty-four hundred yards from scrimmage in in a college career is pretty ridiculous. A lot of guys in Oregon don't do anything in the NFL. But you saw with your own eyes who's a better running back. Who's a better running back? Roy, Lindsay Philip Lindsay is a better. You got to project Lindsay back. to be better. You absolutely have to project Lindsay to be we better. We are projecting but, that. That's not, yeah, that's not it. it, it for, for project for project. But I don't see any off-field issues, by the way. So I don't want to attach that to him. I was just curious. <laughs> now that was that was wrong of me. I think he's like a really good good person, actually. <laughs> no, I just whatever. you wonder how these guys didn't get drafted like that's usually the answer so no i don't think he had any off-field issues so anyway he is small i mean yeah it's it's a prototypical nfl size issue that that he didn't really get a chance he had good numbers in in college but yeah royce freeman was he had double freeman also had double digit touchdowns in four straight seasons over 60 career tds play for oregon Oregon. all right that's fair Uh, I just saying that so we can get to our next team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Wait, I got oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Broncos well, wide receivers. Do, well, real quick, hit the receiving core because who really cares? But uh, Cortland Sutton, sixteen point eight yards per catch last year. Twenty three of his eighty four targets were uncatchable. He had a really deep average depth of target, so he had just a fifty percent catch rate with a lot of those uncatchable targets. But he still, even with that fifty percent catch rate, put up an eight point four yards yards per target. He's got a new quarterback now, Joe Flacco, big arm. If they connect. Sutton, I mean, he had a really strong season given the fact that uh, he didn't have a very strong catch rate, is my point. Really good yards per catch. It was the number. So he's the guy I expect to be their number one. I don't really think that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be able to get back. This guy tore his Achilles in December. I mean, I, I think it's really optimistic to expect him to be back in nine months. Yeah, he's he's optimistic about it, but it would be a pretty uh, pretty miraculous. Uh, Kevin Garant can't do it, that's for sure. Kansas City is next. And what do you do? Like, what's your Tyreek Hill stance right now? Like, how are you guys projecting the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill? Uh, I am projecting him for a six-game absence, and I think it's a good time to talk about like what that means because I, he's projected for 87 targets, catching 57 passes for 800 yards and six touchdowns, and that's not really very good if it's spread over 16 games but if he does that over the final 10 games of the season you should probably draft him in like the fourth round because you can get replacement level production at wide receiver for the first five or six weeks of the season and then have one of the best receivers in fantasy football Tyreek Hill was the number one receiver in non-PPR in PPR he was uh, where was he top five had to have been right um, so he's obviously awesome. And there are a lot of stats with the Chiefs, but the one that jumps out to me is that you guys are projecting Damian Williams for 52 catches for Heath, 51 catches for Ben. 
50 catches. Damian Williams has never had 50 carries in a season. So, like, Ben, you've got him as RB9. You've got him with a really big workload, 274 total touches. So the reason why is I think he's a way better fit for what Andy Reid wants to do. It's not just that he was good at the end of last season, which does matter. And it's not that they signed him to, I think, a two-year deal right at the end of the season. They locked him up or, or during that little run while he was doing well, and they knew they obviously that, that Hunt wouldn't be back. It's that he's a way better fit than Carlos Hyde. Car- People think Carlos Hyde is a decent receiving back because he had like a 50-something catch season uh, with San Francisco, but he wasn't. it wasn't actually efficient, and the majority of that was when C.J. Beathard was, was playing quarterback. He was getting just a, a ridiculous target share. Uh, I think 50 of his like 80 something targets came in like five games with with Beathard under center. But his my, my stat is Carlos Hyde's career yards per target on 168 targets. Now, it's a pretty big sample. It's three point nine seven. The league average running back yards per target over the last three years is six point oh. So we're talking about more than two full yards lower. Damian Williams. Yes, never had 50 carries in a career, but he has always shown some receiving promise. He has at least 20 catches in all five seasons of his career, even when he's been a part-time player, even when he was a part-time player in Miami. Um, he had, He's caught at least 20 balls every season. We're projecting him for 50, but we're also projecting him to play a lot more, obviously. And, and in terms of the yards per target number, just for Williams, his career is 6.4. It's above average, even playing in Miami. Um, you know, not a very efficient offense. This, Williams is a really actually a good size speed specimen. If you go back to like his combine numbers um, was a pretty fast and a bigger dude. He's the kind of guy that could do everything in the past in the run game. So I'm, I think he's a better fit for what Andy Reed wants. It's not just necessarily a hope and a prayer. I think he's the back that they want. And actually when I'm handcuffing him or I'm looking for, if I don't get Williams and I'm looking for a, a sleeper for, for Kansas city, I'm going to Darwin Thompson who has a better receiving profile than Carlos Hyde. I think if, if Williams isn't the guy, I think Thompson has the better chance. And Heath, you project Carlos Hyde to be worse than Damian Williams. You have Damian Williams as RB14. But you project Hyde to have twice as many carries as Ben projects. Almost twice. 109 carries for Heath, 56 carries for Ben. So you see a more even split in this backfield. With But is that that's not going to be like every game it's split, is it? Because that don't we know Andy Reid doesn't really do that? That's what Andy, Andy Reid hasn't really done that, although he did kind of do that at the start of when Damian Williams took over last year. I'm not, I don't feel comfortable with the idea that Damian Williams is going to handle 15 carries and six or five or six targets per week for an entire season. So I do think it makes more sense for Carlos Hyde to handle some of the between the tackle stuff. If there's okay. one thing Carlos Hyde can do, it's go forward three yards. Okay, uh, how about Patrick Mahomes? Is he QB1 again? He, he is, is QB1 me. for me. Um, my number, my stat for the Chiefs, 95. That's how many more fantasy points Patrick Mahomes scored in a standard CBS league than any other player last year. Nine, almost 100 fantasy. Like He is going to regress. He's not going to have a touchdown rate like he did last year. He's not going to have uh, yards per attempt. It's probably as good as it was last year. He has a lot of room to regress and still be better than everyone else. Yeah, Peyton Manning, after his 5,500-yard, 55-touchdown season, um, he went from being the number one quarterback to the number four quarterback. So I guess if you were going to take Patrick Mahomes or the field, you'd probably want to take the field. But still, The the one (laughs) difference with that is Peyton Manning was like 107 years old. He still had a really good year, though. It's just it's so hard to do it. It's it's so hard to be number one at any position two years in a row. Like, hats off to Antonio Brown, basically, for dominating that position. Uh, All right, so Sammy Watkins. Um, It's okay. Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. How does a a potential six game, eight game absence, whatever it is for Travis Kelsey or for Tyreek Hill rather, affect those guys? I don't think it affects. Travis Kelsey as much. I think Kelsey's probably going to have his role. It might affect his efficiency a little bit. I mean, we've talked about this throughout this series, how certain players impact the overall efficiency of the offense. And Tyreek Hill's definitely one of those players. His speed forces the safeties deep, and it allows for a lot of room in the middle of the field. And that's a big reason Travis Kelsey has blown up over the last couple of years and finally taken that next step. I mean, the other the other reason, especially last year, was, was Patrick Mahomes. But um, – Tyreek Hill not being on the field might affect his efficiency a little bit, but I don't I don't really project too much difference in targets whether Hill's there or not. I think he's still going to get plenty of targets. Um, 
Watkins is a guy that I think it's it's a huge impact on. If if Hill's not in the lineup, Watkins is going to have to take on a pretty pretty hefty role in terms of volume. Uh, and then obviously Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman, those guys are going to have to play a lot more too and, and do a lot. But when Hill's in the lineup, you know Watkins is a lot less interesting. So it's this is a really hard one to parse. And I mean, I don't really have a whole ton of insight on how to how to go about this, frankly. Yeah, I, I think you just view Sammy Watkins is going to be, in my opinion, a number one wide receiver for however many games Tyreek Hill misses. I'm not saying he will be every single week, but if he misses six weeks at the end of week six, I expect that Sammy Watkins ranks as a top 12 wide receiver. And then when Tyreek Hill comes back, you're looking at Sammy Watkins as a number three receiver again. So you draft him as a number two, I guess, um, and hope that you get six to eight weeks of number one production. I do think... Like the injury thing with Sammy Watkins, I saw something the other day that was interesting how much we talk about injuries with Sammy Watkins. He's missed fewer games in his career than Odell Beckham. Well, we should talk more about it with Beckham, I think. I always do. I always do. Yeah. Uh, Watkins, I, by the way, he had, uh, he had my stat, five games with more than five targets. That's it. And in none of those games, they have more than nine targets, by the way. In those five games, he averaged 18.2 fantasy points per game in PPR, 12.4 in non-PPR. Those are top 10, about 10th. That's terrific. All right, so um, let's move on here. Nicole Hardman, by the way, just five-second thought on Nicole Hardman. With the idea that Hill's probably going to play at some point this year, I'm a lot less interested. It's hard. It was going to be hard enough as a rookie to be productive right away. Yeah, because like if Hill wasn't playing at all, then I could see a a slow start for Hardman. But then by maybe the first, by the fifth or sixth game of the season, he's kind of figured things out and is becoming a bigger part of the offense. By the time he figures things out, Tyreek Hill may be back. We do have a piece of news, Adam. I know you had asked earlier, do you want to just throw a piece of news in the middle here that have nothing to do with players we're talking about? Can we do it after we project the Raiders? Sure. All right. Uh, Projecting the Raiders then. (laughs) They uh, were 4-12. and 12. They were 23rd in rush attempts, 16th in pass attempts. How much of a factor is Josh Jacobs in the passing game, the rookie first-round pick running back? How much of a factor is he in the passing game? We have no idea. Right. We, like, we don't... There's a lot of things we don't know about Josh Jacobs because we've never really seen him with a feature role. He didn't do that at Alabama. Um, he didn't... I, jo, ben seems to think he's going to be more involved in the passing game than I do. I will so say... I, I'll say this. I, I got a chance to listen to him speak actually in person at FSGA last week. And I bumped his, his receiving projection up a little bit because of that. They talked about <laughs> uh, splitting him out. Or he talked about how they've been splitting him out a little bit. Uh, we heard a little bit about how he played quarterback in high school, which I, I didn't realize. And they put in some some packages for him to throw the ball or that package is there for a potential double pass situation this year. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to put too much like uh, of a bias on on actually hearing a guy talk about his role because he's going to talk about his role and one thing that I, I also thought was really interesting is he he mentioned uh Jalen Richard I believe I don't want to put a quote on him that I'm wrong on but I believe he called Jalen Richard the best route running running back that he's ever been around or ever seen so he had a huge compliment for Jalen Richard's receiving role and or ability and my stat <clears throat> is 6.8 it's I'm again going back to running back yards per target that's Jalen Richard's career uh yards per target on 156 targets Again, the the league average over the last three years, 6.0 for running backs. He was at 7.5 last year. He was very good in the passing game last year. I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to be like a a star in the passing game. I think that's hard because Jalen Rashard still should have a role, and I still have Rashard for for 20 more receptions than than Jacobs. But I wound up projecting, I think, probably more total receptions than you for the backs and thinking that after hearing him talk that maybe Jacobs and Rashard will get plenty of work. We know Derek Char- Derek Carr likes to check down. Yeah, uh, so you guys have so Heath has Josh Jacobs projected for uh, better rushing totals, but not as good of receiving totals, and that's why Ben has uh, Jacobs RB nineteen and Heath has him RB twenty four, and both have Jalen Richard as a like a low end number three, high end number four PPR running back. Uh, meanwhile, Antonio Brown. So projected, each of you have him for 96 catches on 153 to 160 targets. And uh, 1,150 to 1,190 yards. 
So between 1,100 and 1,200 yards with eight or seven touchdowns. That's wide receiver nine for Heath, wide receiver 13 for Ben. So he is, uh, yeah, and actually, Heath, you quite you like uh, Tyrell Williams quite a bit too. You have him wide receiver 28. But let's talk about uh, those two wide receivers, Brown and Williams. I don't like Antonio Brown. I don't like the fact that I have him projected higher than Ben, but I think it's actually just more about how many receivers we have projected to score 260 fantasy points because Ben has him projected for two more points than I do and ranked four spots lower. So it's just one of those weird yeah. things in our projections. I do think there's an enormous opportunity here for Tyrell Williams. My stat was 361. That's the number of targets the Raiders have to replace from last year's team. I don't expect Antonio Brown to get 180 targets, but even if he did, there's plenty of room for Tyrell Williams to make a huge impact. We've only seen him get 100 targets once in his career. That was, I believe, 2016, the year that Keenan Allen went down. And he was a top 25 wide receiver that year. I think he had a great chance to come close to that again. At the very least, I like him as a high-end number three receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Antonio Brown is a top five receiver in for the Raiders, or even you know top top eight, I'm I mean I'm going to miss on him this year. I'm not going to take him probably in any leagues. And I, I uh, to his point, our, our projection is pretty high. Both of us have him right in the same range. Uh, I have him at wide receiver 13. He's within 0.2 points or 0.4 points of the two guys ahead of him. So, yeah, to, again, to his point, he could easily, for me, be a little bit higher in my projection. The problem is I'm projecting that because what else can you project for the Raiders? I think there's a lot more downside. I think there's risk for you know the connection to not be there that we've seen with, with Ben Roethlisberger. Receivers tend to be a lot worse when they change teams just generally. Um and Derek Carr also wasn't very good at supporting Amari Cooper. I mean, both Amari Cooper and, and Michael Crabtree had their moments in Oakland, and, and Crabtree was was good at scoring touchdowns. But I just think that Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, what they did was such a high bar. They set such a high bar that it almost has to come down from that. Uh, I'm I'm concerned. And Antonio Brown's not a young you know a young receiver anymore either. So I'm a little bit concerned about the the downside from this project. Like this is where the projection comes in. I, I see a lot more room for downside than I see for him to to smash this projection. I agree with that completely. All right, Heath, what's our news update? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott will not be suspended. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, that's wonderful. Um, all right, well, we're, uh, we're going to take a quick break on fantasy football today. When we come back, we've got the NFC West as we finish, finish up projections week. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603. For complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The NFC West. Here we go. All right, we're going to start off with Arizona. Yeah, fun. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Is this going to be a good offense? It's certainly going to be faster paced because last year, 28th at rush attempts, 29th at pass attempts. They basically didn't want to play offense last year. So, all right, Heath, I'll give you the first word on Arizona. What is this offense going to look like? Well, they can't be slower. The 902 plays they ran last year is only more than the Miami Dolphins. I think Ben talked about there's only been one team in the last six years to run fewer than 900. They tried. Uh, I, I 
think that there's probably as much room for um, variance or a wider error bar on this Arizona Cardinals offense than just about any in the NFL. They could, they've talked about wanting to run something like 85 or 90 plays a game. That's not going to happen. But if they get their way, they're going to be one of the fastest-paced offenses in the NFL. And they've got a lot of young talent. I just don't know how it's all going to fit together in the first year. If you told me Cliff Kingsbury was someone we're talking about, like Chip Kelly in five years, I would kind of believe that. But Chip Kelly's first season went pretty well. Yeah, Ben, you have Kyler Murray as QB8. Heath has him as QB16. Interestingly enough, uh, Heath has Kyler Murray with better passing stats. But, Ben, you have Kyler Murray with 570 rushing yards compared to 350 for Heath and four rushing touchdowns compared to two for Heath. So it's a, it's an aggressive projection, QB8 for Kyler. Yeah, I mean, I I just think this this offense is going to be really fast-paced, like Heath said. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. The, the rushing thing is tough. It's really hard to tell. I, I can obviously understand where he sat on it, too, being a little bit more conservative with it. I think, Murray, if you look at his production in, in college, rushing the ball, like you probably think he's going to scramble a decent amount. And especially like if their line's not great or whatever, he might be put in situations um, where he has to run. And if they're going to try to run up tempo, they're going to run spread offense. Those, you know, those kinds of plays can can lead to more quarterback scrambles as well. So, I, I that's that's where I'm at on him. I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, I think a big big thing I want to mention here as well with these guys is is just the the wide receiver three battle. It sounds like Andy Isabella is really winning that over Hakeem Butler, who's who's sounding like he's a little bit behind. So I'm. Pretty excited about him because I think we're going to probably see a lot of three receivers. I like Christian Kirk as well uh, and, and Larry Fitzgerald. So there's three pretty good receivers there. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm excited about Isabella over Butler. The thing that only thing I'm worried about with all of the wide receivers and David Johnson and, and everyone is if they aren't able to sustain drives as well as they want to. I expect they are going to really spread the ball around. I don't think you're going to see a lot of weeks where anybody's getting double-digit targets or anything like that. They're going to need to be high-paced for the targets to be there for these guys. All right, we'll get to the receivers in just a moment. But David Johnson was the number 10 running back in fantasy. Uh, My favorite David Johnson status, he got 100% of his team's carries inside the five-yard line. And I don't know why that would change dramatically. I mean, I don't think he'll get 100%, but... Uh, well, be he's well Kyler, area. Kyler Murray is going to get some of those. That's obviously sure. going to change. But I don't. He's he he's the goal linebacker. We like that. Uh, you have you both have David Johnson projected as a top eight running back. Ben as number five, um, but actually with about the same amount of fantasy points and the same amount of catches, sixty three. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if he went over that. Yep. That's so. Let's go to my stat. I mean forty. 43, which was the number of routes David, jo- David Johnson lined up out of the backfield, either split wide or from the slot. In tw- 2016, his massive receiving uh, season, he-, he lined up out of the backfield 180 times. So whatever they were doing in Arizona last year, I, I have no idea. But you have to assume K- Kingsbury with a more spread offense is going to uh, get his- get David Johnson out of the backfield more. I mean, it- all you have to do is turn on the tape from 2016 and 2018 and try and figure out what went well for David Johnson and what went poorly. And that's something that just stands right out. And that's your point about his goal line rushing seven for 15. This is inside the 10, even further out than inside the five uh, at converting carries inside the 10 to touchdowns. Wow. And that's actually, that was actually better than his previous two seasons, which were both really strong rates as well. He's a 230 pound back. He's a big dude who can also move, but he's, he's always been very good, great vision and patience and ability to get into the end zone in the red zone. So I really like his his upside as well. I I'm taking him as my running back five, um, and I have him I think as my sixth overall player because I think there is upside to beat this projection. It's, I think it's a little bit conservative. All right, Heath, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella. Kirk is a top twenty six guy for you guys. Twenty fourth for Heath, twenty six for Ben in terms of the projections and PPR. Um, pretty big year. Seventy. You have him projected for seventy six catches, nine hundred ninety eight yards and six touchdowns, and this appears to be the year where Larry Fitzgerald isn't all that relevant. Um, 69, 68, 69 catches, less than 730 yards, five touchdowns. You both have him at that. But you do have Fitzgerald projected for a similar amount of targets as Christian Kirk. Heath, you just talked about the targets and how you see them being split up. But anyway, um, you're pretty high on Christian Kirk. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he has, like we talk about upside with a lot of these guys, there's not very much upside with Larry Fitzgerald. It wouldn't surprise me all that much if he leads the Cardinals in targets again this year. If there's three guys that have between 85 and 115 and he's the guy that's at the top, but I don't get as excited about targets going to him. Christian Kirk has better ability to do, do things down the field and make plays after the catch. Let's go to Agreed. the... I uh, love Kirk this year. Oh, you do? To- yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to the Rams. They were 13-3. and They lost in the Super Bowl. They also lost in the NFC Championship game, but they got to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, they were 8th in rush attempts, 14th in pass attempts, and I, I gave that stat about Todd Gurley. One game in his final nine, including the postseason, with more than 16 carries. Uh, that is uh, that is wild. So, Ben, how did you project uh, the running backs for the Rams? Yeah, I mean, another really, really tough one to project, right? Because we don't know what Gurley's health is going to be. What I will say is my stat real quick, and I, I, I chose the number three, which is how many more combined rushing and receiving TDs Todd Gurley had than anyone else in the NFL last year, despite playing just 14 games, to, despite that stat you just said where he wasn't, necessarily getting a heavy rushing workload for the significantly like significant part of the second half of the season because his knee issues were already showing up he scored six more than anyone else in 2017 he's still in my opinion even if daryl henderson is very involved and i like henderson todd Gurley's still going to get the red zone touches i I think they're still going to use him in that area and henderson they've talked more about as kind of a pass catcher um like big big play type of guy when you think about Gurley's like fantasy production, he should still score plenty of touchdowns and probably still be involved in the passing game. Even if he's limited, I still I, I, like I'm not I can't move him down that far. It's it's a sketchy it's a sketchy pick to make because we don't know his health. But man, if he's if he just gets 200 uh, rush attempts, which I have him at 206 rush attempts, and gets uh, you know I have him just under 50 receptions, gets right in that range, he's it's going to be pretty solid. Heath. Yeah, I think the, yeah. the big question is, like, is he as effective? Because there were times down the stretch last year where, as much as it pains me to say it, C.J. Anderson just looked like a better running back. Yeah, a lot of people look, but Gurley was, he was I mean, he's obviously awful. playing hurt. Yeah, he was just, right. it was himself. So I, I think, like, there is, if you told me he was a top five running back this year on 240 touches, I would not be surprised at all. But I, he scares me quite a bit, and I, I don't want to get like defend him too much because I am I am concerned about that too. But I would say like if you think about the bigger picture, like that was a Super Bowl run season where he played 19 games, and the issue really just started to flare up during that season. Now they've had all off season to kind of think about how they want to make like perform maintenance throughout the week and handle that. You, you can't imagine that Gurley you'll get in September, October, and November of this year would match what we saw in like December and January of last year at the end of a long season. You know. But yeah, so you Ben has Gurley projected for uh, about thirteen thirty total yards, one thousand three hundred thirty. Heath about a hundred less than that, and uh, both of them have him for either eleven or twelve total touchdowns. Heath has Gurley as RB sixteen in his projection. Ben is RB thirteen, but you know only thirty six catches for for you know according to Heath for Gurley. Uh, that's pretty. Yeah, low, I think like if ben. if the I expect the area they'll try to limit him the most will be in the passing game because I think that's what Henderson's the best at. All right, so we go to the wide receivers. Um, Woods Woods or Cooks, who's better? I had Woods at the beginning of my projections. I currently actually have Cooks, and I just totally forgotten when I was going through the targets and the production last year, the game, like, you look at Brandon Cooks, stats and it looked like he played 16 games last year well he had one game where he played like a quarter and got one target and didn't produce anything he actually my my number was 10.3 10.3 yards per target that was the best number of his career which is kind of astonishing when you think about the fact that he played with tom brady and drew Brees. um and really the only reason that he wasn't quite as good is because he only scored five touchdowns i think cooks has a sneaky chance to be a top 10 wide receiver this year I completely agree and actually have Cooks higher in my rankings, even though I have Woods projected a little bit higher, which, again, it's one of those weird things where I just think Cooks has more potential to to beat this projection. I really like Robert Woods as well. Yes. Uh, and for me, they're basically a coin flip. But I 
I even though I lean barely with Woods in my projection, I've I've decided in my drafts to lean a little bit towards Cooks. And the Cooper Cup, you guys have uh, getting between 104 and 116 targets, and you have all three of them with getting six or seven uh, touchdowns. Cup, I mean, it's a 16 game projection, as we always you know remind you for for guys that are not suspended. I do feel like Cup would have the best chance to lead this team in touchdowns. He's sort of been Jared Goff's red zone guy, hasn't he? Yeah, I have him tied for the team lead, and 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 Heath does as well. He has them all scoring six. I mean, I think <laughs> it's it's certainly possible, especially when you think about the way that we do projections. We're projecting typically a, a touchdown percentage, and we're projecting him for fewer targets overall, and we still have him as high as the other guys in, re- in receiving TDs, and that's because we're projecting him for a lot higher touchdown rate. So... I, I'm totally with you. I think Cup is probably on a per-target basis, yes, a, a better red zone option than the other two for fantasy. And Jared Goff, QB 10 for Heath, QB 11 for Ben. Just last question on the Rams. Their offensive line probably won't be as good. Did you guys factor that in? I'm concerned about it. It's hard to factor in, though. I don't know. What do you think, Heath? I Well, like I have Todd, I didn't factor it into Goff too much. It worries me a little bit for the run, the effectiveness of the running game. I think it may just make them a little bit more pass-heavy. Yeah, Roger Saffold, uh, one of their guards, signed with the Titans. Center John Sullivan, not with uh, the team anymore either. So, uh, And then, you know, Whitworth, Whitworth is kind of old. He's, he was contemplating retirement. He's their left tackle. Uh, two more teams left here in the NFC West projections. Seattle. All right, we got into this a little bit earlier. Russell Wilson, QB 10 for Ben, QB 18 for Heath. If you want to hear that discussion, might come up a little bit here organically, but that was at the beginning of the show. So, uh, where do we? What do we do with uh, Carson, Chris Carson, and Rashad Penny this year, guys? It's tough. I have Penny um, essentially getting the same amount of work as Carson, and it's not that I don't like Carson. It's just that I think Penny will probably be more involved in the passing game. My stat for Seattle here is 42, which is the number of targets Mike Davis left behind. It was a team running back high. Uh, He was kind of their pass catching back last year. And they kind of went with a three back system. You know, it's possible that it's like CJ Procise or JD McKissick or one of those guys. But I'm guessing that Rashad Penny gets used a lot more in the passing game this year. And I actually don't have him projected as high, nearly as high as Heath does in the passing game. So I'm, I'm guessing that Heath agrees with me. But uh, I like Penny more in drafts for that reason. I think his upside's higher. It's a really tough call. Yeah, I would. I think there's a bigger gap between these two in non-PPR than there is in PPR, and that's just because I agree entirely with what Ben said about the, the receiving game. I've got Penny at 47 catches for almost 400 yards through the air this year. They're both top 30 backs for me in PPR. I think Penny will be a better value on draft day. <sighs> Are you buying Tyler Lockett? You haven't projected guys as, as wide receiver twenty. I don't. I don't buy that he can do what he did last year, but he has over the course of his career been one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL. They don't have anyone else to be the number one, so I think he has to get more targets. And so I do think an increase in targets could make up for the regression in his efficiency. Right. I mean, I, that's that's like kind of the stock answer. But at the same time, I, I'm like I'm. I'm like, I don't even know what to think of him, right? Because he could still be so efficient. Like you said, he's been so efficient in his career. He also might not get as much of a boost in targets as we're hoping for because he's always kind of been a downfield guy. And if DK Metcalf is kind of a one-trick pony downfield, David Moore was also a pretty efficient downfield guy for them last year. Who's going to get the intermediate targets here? Like, I don't even know. They, like, just, run, they, they just run the ball for those. They don't, yeah. they don't throw those. What about I mean, Will like, Disley? I mean, maybe, but I think all three tight ends might be involved. They, they before Jimmy Graham, they always rotated tight ends, so I'm, I'm a little bit off their tight ends. I like Will Disley if he can be healthy at the start of camp. I had made this call, uh, like right after the draft. DK Metcalf is going to lead this team in touchdown catches. I mean, it's possible. Like, look at David Moore last year. I think he had five on. On some deep plays. I mean, Russell Wilson has a very good deep ball accuracy. But that, that's, it's a great fit with that's not where I'm going with that. My, I'm going with red zone. Because Tyler yeah. Lockett is not a red zone factor at all. Almost all of his touchdowns have been, you know, maybe within the red zone, but not within like 15 yards. Uh, I think Metcalf could fill that void. 
Uh, yeah, two years ago, Jimmy Graham right, had the, the exactly. highest red zone percentage. Uh, this uh, maybe the second highest red zone percentage in the league target percentage. That's with exactly Seattle, what I was gone. thinking. Yeah, that's like, that, that's that's where I was going with it. So, who do you guys like more, D- David Moore or DK Metcalf? I think Metcalf has more Metcalf, upside. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's more upside, more of an unknown. David Moore, I think, is a, a good best ball last round pick. You know, he's a good. He's gonna have a couple of splash games, but okay. DK Metcalf, forty nine catches for Heath, thirty nine for Ben, seven hundred and thirty yards for Heath, five forty two for Ben, five touchdowns for Heath, four for Ben. Wide receiver sixty for Heath, wide receiver seventy four for Ben. And really, the, look, this team is about the running backs. It's about the running backs, and it's a chance. There's a chance they both are going to be worth using. Uh, not exactly like an Ingram Kamara thing, but they're going to run the ball a lot, and they're both projected as top thirty guys. For, so part of the reason this is my projection for these guys with, and I'm because I'm lower than Heath on on David Moore's per, uh, targets as well. I'm a little bit higher on Tyler Lock, Lockett's, but part of the reason is I kind of feel like someone has to emerge. And there's been some positive talk about their seventh round pick, John Ursua. I don't even know how to say his name. Uh, they also took Gary Jennings in the fourth round. There's a couple guys that I think could maybe emerge into like a 50 or 60 target role as more of the underneath intermediate and taking some of those Doug Baldwin targets if Lockett doesn't necessarily eat all those targets up. So I, I, I'm a little bit more conservative on the guys that they have at the top of their depth chart because they all just get their targets in a similar part of the field. And I think somebody could emerge out of nowhere here as well and be like at least reasonably, I okay. don't know, reasonably notable. All right, then we got one more team to get to here. The San Francisco 49ers. Oh, am I excited about the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, do I love Jimmy Garoppolo. Does anybody else love Jimmy Garoppolo? Or am I on Garoppolo Island? He's good. I wouldn't say I love him. QB 21. The quarterback 21, just like I do. QB 21. That's not good enough, guys. You got to do better than that. Are we going to guarantee that he's a top 12 quarterback as well? You've got like 17 top 12 quarterbacks. (laughs) No. He does. We went deep by team, but he does a lot of top twelve quarterbacks. Top five, not top twelve. Top five. Would you Would you please rank Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Brees, and Philip Rivers? Okay, I'm gonna go with Brees, Garoppolo, Wilson, Rivers. So you definitely don't think that we're too low on Philip Rivers. No, I don't anymore. I don't. Like, I do think he'll probably finish high because he's going to play 16 games. But, your Ben, your point about the rushing yards is, is really good. And also, like I said, QB 18 is really not so bad these days. So he could still have a – just like he's probably going to be a top 12 quarterback because he always is, but, but I yeah, understand. To, to that point from that Rivers discussion, I would much rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than Phillip Rivers because he does, I think, have upside to be a top five quarterback. I don't think you're crazy to think that he could come in this year and be very, very good and have a little bit of rushing, you know, a little bit more of a rushing presence than Rivers and also have a a big spike passing year. I mean, it's totally possible. I just, there's a lot of QBs that can happen for, right? It's really hard to pick out that guy. All right, so what what do the 49ers look like this year, guys? What kind of offense... Pass heavy, run heavy. They obviously bring in Tevin Coleman. This is a confusing team. Like Seattle appears to be more straightforward. They have ninety skill position players. Yeah, yeah, it's a confusing team. Uh, well, I guess if if I were really excited about someone else, it'd be Dante Pettis. Like I feel like Garoppolo and Pettis are going to be on a lot of my teams. Heath, your projections tend to agree with me at least for Pettis. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I feel comfortable with it. My number for the team was 6.2. That's Dante Pettis's targets per game in the final five games when he really broke out. That's not enough to be a must-start wide receiver. Does that include That's, the Bears game? Because I mean, he, he got hurt in the first half of that game. Uh, he had five uh, targets. But but seven, so with, se- seven, so, seven, seven, and five in the four games before that. So like six and a half targets a game is about what I have him for at 99 for the season. Ben's a little lower than me at 91, and I understand why. He's going to have to score touchdowns at a pretty good rate, and I've got him with seven. Ben has him with five. I feel like six is probably a better number. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a number, I, I probably he's a number low, three yeah. receiver. He's a number yeah. three receiver. 
there's a lot of these projections where we've had a gap and I've been like, you know, splitting the difference between me and Heath is probably the right <laughs> the right thing to do. <laughs> and I, I agree with on that with uh, on Pettis totally. My my concern for the receivers is A, there's so many of them, and B, George Kittle is gonna lead the team, right? And I, I will say for Kittle, I'm a little concerned about him keeping his efficiency up, but he should be the the target leader. And because there's so many receivers behind that, I, I'm concerned any of them emerges and becomes the number one. I mean, you have Pettis, Goodwin, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. I have Kendrick Bourne in my projections. Heath, you had a different fifth guy in your projections. I can't remember. Oh, no, it was Jalen Hurd. But there's there's still more guys. I mean, isn't Jordan Matthews on this team now? I can't even keep them all straight. I mean, they have a million players on their team. Um, yeah, they yeah, all suck. Ki- like and they're, they, yeah. no, that's not true. Jordan Matthews is on the team. They all might suck. Like they, you know, they all might not be other than Kittle, obviously, any real competition for for Dante Pettis. They were like twentieth in pass attempts last year. So maybe they maybe they throw more. Maybe they're just you know more efficient because obviously Garoppolo only played three games. Um, I just think that I'm not looking at this group of wide receivers and going like, damn. I don't know how Dante Pettis is going to beat out Marquise Goodwin or Debo Samuel or Jalen Hurd or Kendrick Bourne and Jordan Matthews. I think if they're smart, they get Dante Pettis the ball because, man, was he was so good uh, at the end of last year. I agree. The one thing I would add is last year at this time, Marquise Goodwin was kind of a popular sleeper because of how well he finished the 2017 season with Garoppolo after Garoppolo came over in the trade. Obviously, Garoppolo got hurt last year, but I, I think Garoppolo and Goodwin, you know, that connection that everyone was really high on last year, there's some potential that we see that spark a little bit this year as well. So he's somebody that I'm uh, – he's the second best San Francisco receiver for me. But, uh, again, Kittle is behind Pettis, but the, but Kittle's still the number one. And I just want to say my stat real quick for Kittle, 873 yards after the catch last year, first non-running back to lead the league in that category since 2013. Um just had a, a ton of these little crossers that he just took to the house. What, like four or five of them last year? It's going to be really hard for him to repeat that high of a yards after the catch rate. It's, I would it's just also, say that he won't. Yeah, he won't. There's just no, no way. But it's also very good for for Garoppolo to have a weapon like that who can do a lot after the catch. It's, we, we definitely can feel confident that Kittle's going to be above average. He's not going to regress down to some average rate, but... It's going to be really hard for him to, to match the yardage that he had last year. I still like Kittle. I just he's he's my tight end three, I, and I know he's a lot of people's tight end too, and I get that too. It's really a matter of when it comes to those top three. I, I think really there's like everybody has Kelsey one, and then you wait a few picks, then you take Ertz or Kittle. But is Kittle right there with Ertz for you, Ben, or is he sort of in a tier of his own in between Ertz and then the Ingram, Howard, Henry group? He's right there for me. I mean, he's he's. I have him 13 points lower in PPR, but I mean, I have Kelsey almost 50 points higher than Ertz in PPR. Wow. So Ertz and Kittle are kind of in this clump, and then my my tight end four, I have another like 60 points behind Kittle. So those two guys are right in this this little mm-hmm. cluster, and there's a huge gap above and below them. Yeah, I think it's easy to say the yards are coming down. He had 1,377 yards. That's a single season record for tight ends. I would. I would think the touchdowns are coming up. He only had five. There have been 13 tight ends over the last five seasons with 1,000 or more yards. 13. Only two of them caught fewer touchdowns than George Kittle. And remember, he had more yards than all of them. So, yeah, we, we like Kittle a lot. Um, the running backs, Heath, your thoughts on uh, how this backfield's going to look? Did you hear what Ben said about the wide receivers? <laughs> it's it's exactly the same thing. Like, we've right. got... We've got three running backs projected. We did not project Raheem Mostert, who they talk as if he's some very good part of their offense. Um, Colonel I Mostert. think Tevin Coleman is the best running back to own. I currently have McKinnon as the second best. Ben has Breida as the second best. I don't believe I've drafted any of these guys this season so far. Um, I certainly don't really want to draft the most expensive one. Yeah, that's where I'm at. You want to take the lower back in these situations. It's a good – we know Kyle Shanahan's system's good for running backs. But the other guy you can mention as well is, is Kyle Juszczyk, who is, it, it got a, a reasonable number of targets last year and is somebody that will probably steal some of the backfield passing work as well. Um, it's it's a tough situation. Any of these guys with the the full workload would be worth a, probably a second or third round pick. But we don't know that they're going to get it. And so – you're kind of just like waiting for an injury or something to open up an opportunity. 
which means probably that the the later the later guys are the best one. It's almost like the the week one starter who's going to play the most early on has a tough time getting a full workload. He's more likely to get, to go down, and then the backup would have more of a chance to move in and get a full workload because he's not competing with with this other player now. So, but they've got six of them, so I, I don't know if that's true. That might not be true for but, these guys. But the it's fact true. the fact that they went out and got uh, Tevin Coleman right after they went out and got Jarek McKinnon. But McKinnon, true. Coleman was cheap. Like, do you remember the things we were yeah, saying about yeah, Jarek McKinnon yeah. just a year ago? Uh, no, right. Not, not me so much. I, I think he's more suited to be a pass-catching guy than Coleman. But I, I, I don't know. I McKinnon, don't know. I mean, I think Coleman and Breida are better running backs than McKinnon. That's why they, they get to where they're at in my rankings. I think they'll they'll win out. That's that's kind of my take. But All it's right. All right. Well, how, how did you guys feel about Projections Week? It's over. I mean, it was fun. This is a good. I enjoyed it. I, I learned a best lot. Last week in podcast history. I'll tell you what. I, my biggest takeaway is I really, I really don't think I would take Ezekiel Elliott number one in non in PPR. I'm sorry to side with Ben on that, but that was nice. one I'm thing. Glad your number one takeaway was disagreeing with me. No, I, there were many things. I, I think what you guys say about Juju Smith Schuster is really resonating. Um, in terms of how many targets he might get, I, there were there were like probably five or six players that I changed my opinion on based on these shows. And even though we talked about so many guys, I actually do think that's a lot. So I, I think this is a really productive week, and I hope people found it interesting. What are you guys doing for uh, Fourth of July? Moving. You're moving. Yeah, I just got a house, so I'm, I'm using the time off to to move. Well, I hope you're staying I, in the USA. I am uh, going to the beach about 10:30, 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Oh, I will I, be <laughs> at the beach until about midnight. Yeah, you love the beach. There will be lots of beers and fireworks and uh, beers. Okay. That's a, that's a strong plan. There will be a lot of beers while I move as well. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I'm not going to lie. Well, it won't be for me. So thanks for listening, everybody. For Miley Cyrus and Ben Gretsch and Heath Cummings, I'm Adam Azer. I'm not going to sing because I'm just going to let her play us out. Down.